invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to a couple of passages. Actually, today we'll start with Psalm 78 and then jump to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6 and then a couple of short verses, verses from the book of Matthew. And you can find a pew Bible at the uh, end of the pew there. There should be some available uh, to use if you don't have one uh, handy. The Psalms are kind of in the middle of the, the scriptures in the Old Testament there. And Deuteronomy is the uh, fifth book of the Bible back at the beginning of the, the scriptures. And as you're turning there and if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know, this month we've been doing a, a series that we've just titled uh, Walk on Water. And with keeping in mind each week, the idea of Jesus's encounter with the disciples when they're out in the boat uh, on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus comes along walking on the water and Peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk as he focuses and looks at Jesus. He's able to have this incredible, miraculous uh, ability to actually walk on water. And of course, uh, biblically, that's a, a parallel to the way that a life lived by you and I uh, focused uh, looking at Jesus can be transformative can enable us to be and to do and to say uh, things in God's kingdom and, and so forth that we would never be able to do on our own power. So we talked about that sort of in principle a couple of weeks ago. We looked at it as it plays out in the idea of dependent prayer, how we're, we're invited to walk on water and just complete dependence and dependence of, of prayer. And that prayer relationship is where we really build that relationship. And then we talked last week about the idea of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that we are invited to be filled up with God's presence in our lives. And that is available uh, to us if we're in Christ. And and yet we so often, you know, starting with myself right up here, uh, fail to uh, avail ourselves of, of that and lay hold of it. So we've looked at that the last couple of weeks. And today we're going to look at how that plays out. In what I, I think we can all realize if we just look around here on a particular Sunday morning is an important part of the life of our church. And that is the children in our church. Whether you're here and you're uh, an empty nester and your your kids are off in all parts of the country or the, the world and you look around and realize, OK, I'm part of a church that's got a lot of young ones that I can be a part of impacting, uh, whether you're you're here and uh, you're single or you're married and don't you know have your own uh, children, but are part of this church body. And then, of course, many of us who are here and our parents and and have young ones in the church family. And uh, I'll say a few more words about this in a minute. But let me mention and I'm thankful for uh, Sean DeLavore, our children's director, who's kind of re, you know, revamped this, updated this booklet that we produced, I guess, about four years ago and has been available. But we, we needed to kind of spruce it up a little bit. Childhood spiritual development through church and family. That's our catchy title for this. Childhood spiritual development through church and family. I came up with that title, not Sean D. And uh, and so we, we've produced these booklets and she's got this together in a wonderful way that you can take a look. And I would encourage you, whether you, uh, again, have young ones that are your own, your parents have young ones in our church or just are part of our church body where God's blessed us to be able to kind of walk on water and help the young ones in our church learn what it means to walk on water, to pick up one of these uh, these booklets if you haven't read it uh, ever 
or haven't read it recently, there's a number on the table out in the foyer and we can uh, get some more made for future weeks if they're uh, if they're all gone. So take take a look at that in the course of the sermon. Uh, not enough time to cover everything that would be in there, but I really would encourage you to take time to read through that on your own and be thinking about what God is doing in our church. So let's take a look at a few of these passages and let's be thinking about what does it look like to be a church where not only we as adults are learning to walk on water, to live our lives out by faith and take steps of faith, but where the children in our church are catching on to that and beginning to live that out for themselves as well. So let's start in Psalm 78. I'll read, uh, I'll read this aloud as you read along silently. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth in a parable. I'll utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. All right, that's just shorthand for listen up. <laughs> Some important stuff coming down the pike. Goes on and says things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. But tell to the coming generation what 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 do we pass on? What do we want to share the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done? He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and do what? And arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of the Lord, but keep his commandments. Look back with me now in Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuteronomy. And these are verses that may be somewhat more familiar to us. Again, I want you to see the connection, just as we saw in Psalm 78, between passing along the the things that God is doing for us and our response, the commandments that we are invited to respond with. Again, we see that same idea here. Deuteronomy 6 says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. Remember, the land was a gift. It was a blessing that God provided for his people. That you may fear the Lord your God. That you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord The God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. This picture of a promised land. Then verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might. Might remember that Jesus repeated that in the New Testament as a summary of the law. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by your way and when you lie down and when you rise and it continues. Let's take a look momentarily then at Matthew chapter 18 and then 19. Just a couple of verses. Matthew in the New Testament, that's the first book in the in the New Testament there, Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse five and six. 
kind of gives, I guess, the downside, and then we'll look at the upside. Verse 5 of chapter 18, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Wow. I mean, that's incredible that we can, receiving a child, we receive Jesus in some sense. But listen to the contrast. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. But who doesn't think Jesus had a flair for the dramatic. I hadn't been reading the New Testament. That's a picture that sticks with us for sure. Uh, Matthew 19, then these last verses for us to consider today, starting at verse 13, it says, Then children were brought to him, to Jesus, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and then went away. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we uh, desire that you would speak, work, and move in this church that we might be a blessing to the children that are here, to the children in our community that uh, would be reached through our church and even through the children that are here. Father, we ask that you would be extending your kingdom in that way. And we recognize a responsibility, a calling, and a privilege to these matters uh, just on our own. But we certainly recognize it having read uh, these verses we just considered. So guide and direct our time. Now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my wife has been uh, reading to our young ones the New York Times uh, bestseller, Kisses from Katie. Uh, perhaps some others have read that book. It's about uh, a young uh, gal, Katie uh, Davis, uh, now married and so forth, but about her years uh, finishing up high school as just a teenager. Raised outside of Nashville, Tennessee, in Brentwood, I believe. And how certainly her family instilled in her and her church as well cast a vision for the idea of living out her faith. The idea of walking on water, of seeking to live her life in response to the glorious things, as we read in Psalm 78, that we know about God. She went on a short trip uh, towards the end of high school, uh, halfway across the world to work with orphans as a, a mission trip. And then as she was finishing her high school years, still certainly a very young lady, uh, with permission from her parents that was reluctantly granted, she uh, decided to defer and delay uh, college that she had an opportunity to attend so that she could go back over. And not as part of a uh, big team necessarily, but really just by herself to reach out to orphans who she had met and were in need within a very short time. This young girl, still a teenager, still not uh, even in her 20s, had adopted about 14 little children that she, by herself, was caring for and helping to raise as a sort of mother figure. It's a powerful, powerful story. You can see why it has caught the attention to be on the New York Times bestseller list. And if you get a chance to pick it up, I, I highly recommend the book. Tells a powerful story about one 
young lady living out her faith. And of course, as we think about that story, we should recognize that we we talk regularly here in our church circles anyway about the fact that all of us have an invitation and opportunity to carry out our faith. Certainly the young people in our day to day uh, lives. We don't have to go uh, and sometimes might not be called to go uh, halfway across the world to live out that faith for some of the young ones coming up through our church family and even getting ready for the college years to go to a secular college campus here in the States and live out your faith in that environment and reach out to other students and live and walk in in relationship with Christ in that setting is a bold step of faith in itself. For some to maybe uh, choose a different uh, direction. Maybe college is not the pathway. Some, Some other trade or skill to be pursued is a step of faith, perhaps. For each one, the Lord has a different path. But the picture with Katie is clear, and hopefully the picture for us and our goal, our vision for the young people in our church will be clear. And that is one of whatever direction the Lord would lead the young people in our church body, that it would be in a direction of walking in faith, of really learning to trust Jesus with great things and big things in their lives, of living it out. As I said earlier, we don't have to spend too much time looking around here. We can see that this is a calling for our church because God has blessed us. As some of my peers, when I go to conferences and I tell them about our church body and I say, well, we've got about 225 people in this uh, six-year-old church and about 100 of them are age 14 and under. They, they just are amazed. They say, wow, there are churches that are 500 member. There are churches that are 800 member that don't have that many young people that they have the opportunity to invest in. So we've got a privilege here. And as Kara uh, Powell in her book, uh, Sticky Faith, uh, shares, it's really an opportunity for us to be a web of relationships, uh, a sort of sticky faith family, a sticky faith team where we're working together to pour into lives. We're already doing that, right? Many of us bring our young ones to uh, Sunday school time. And somebody else who's in this church body who has spent time preparing and so forth speaks a lesson into their life about the Lord and relationship with them. The little ones that are back in children's church right now, somebody's investing in, in their life, in their spiritual walk. We're connected that way. Many of us are, are serving together. The young ones come and help with setup, and they're seeing us live out that faith in that way. And we have connection with one another beyond just our immediate family. But here's the main thing that I would hope for us to see as we look at all the ways this is playing out. And you can follow along in that sermon note section in your worship guide, if I didn't mention that already, is this. That since Jesus enables us, you and I, to walk on water, that we should wisely lead our children to walk with us. Not terribly complicated. You say not rocket science there, preacher. But we've got to be reminded of that as we go through this month and think about what does it look like for us to live out this faith, that we have a huge opportunity to bring along these young ones in the same journey with us. The problem is it's not really it's not so easy for us. We struggle, don't we? Parents who are in here, adults, uh, we can talk in a moment. I've got some things to say to the to the young ones to encourage you all with this. But it's it's not easy. Like uh, like one person said, I jotted a few of these uh, little comments down. I found somewhere it says the first years of a child's life, first two years of a child's life, you're teaching them to walk and talk. Then you spend the next 16 telling them to sit down and be quiet. Uh, someone else said grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your own children. 
Just being, just being straight here, just being honest. This one's even a little bit more volatile. Mothers of teens know why some animals eat their young. And lastly, uh, I like this one. The main purpose of holding children's parties is to remind yourself that there are children more awful than your own. (laughs) So it's tough, right? Not an easy thing for us to live out the calling that we have to invest in the next generation. Uh, Part of that is what's going on in our lives. Okay, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about a tendency that we can have, and maybe we can track along with this, of either being people that are really, really knowledgeable in, in our mind about who God is, but don't really practice living that out in, the, in all the ways that we should. We're kind of content with that head knowledge. Or we can be people that have a sort of emotional experience or relationship with God. There's a lot of enthusiasm about our relationship with God. But that doesn't translate maybe to action in a life lived out in faith. Either one of those things is a danger for us. I had a we had some folks that were in our life group a couple of years ago. They moved out of town and excitedly, they actually sent an email back not too long ago that God had really invigorated their relationship with Christ. And they were really kind of walking in a fresh path. So it was neat to see. But while they were uh, here in town in Birmingham and part of our life group in the early years, the husband in particular uh, never darken the door of this church fellowship or any others. They would come to life group. And part of the reason that he explained to me was that his uh, mother growing up had a lot of spiritual enthusiasm, a lot of energy about spiritual stuff. But he never saw that translate into a life lived for the Lord. And so it had kind of soured him. I think he's owned his part in that right along the way. But that had shaped him. So there's a danger there for us. And so uh, this reminder last couple of weeks to really be living out our faith. The, the young ones in our midst, everybody knows it. They can smell hypocrisy. Okay? As adults, sometimes I think we can kind of shade things and coat things enough. And as adults, we don't. But the, the young ones, especially that see us day in and day out, they can smell the hypocrisy. We've all had that question from the young one uh, that convicts us deeply when they realize something in our lives. So an invitation, I guess, off the bat that to realize, wow, we struggle to authentically live this out. So we should acknowledge that first off the bat. That's a a problematic issue for us. The second thing, maybe this is a little bit more nuanced, but I think it plays out a lot, is that in our legitimate quest as parents to protect our children, which is right and fitting and good. And to hope that they don't end up in this certain behavior or hope that they don't end up doing this particular activity. We can sometimes begin with that 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 good fear, right? That good concern, we'll call it, about some damage that could happen in their lives. We can end up parenting not with an eye to fear, but exclusively out of fear. Our main concern can be. I just I got to make sure that this or that thing doesn't happen for my child. And I don't I don't think that's really operating by faith either. One of the ways that plays out a little bit, and I just want to encourage you all to think about this again. Last semester, we did a Sunday school in the sticky faith material. And it was really interesting to see because it talked about the power that a family can have and that leadership from mom or dad or both can have spiritually on the child. And uh, and we all recognize that tendency that if a child 
you know, maybe feels a little bit less connected at uh, the youth group at this season of life than they did at that previous season in life. Or maybe don't have as many friends in the youth group as they did at one time or in their Sunday school. And it's especially difficult in a setting like ours where a new church is forming and there's not always that wide you know, network of relationships. Uh, one of the things that can operate, though, is we can be fearful and end up you know, shifting gears and disconnecting and moving to this next church or moving to that next fellowship or that next group in order to accommodate our concerns that uh, somehow the child is going to walk away from the faith. And maybe in that process, we're ripping ourselves as adults out of our own life group or out of our own small groups, those settings where we're really being fed and that we can be nurtured to then nurture our family. Uh, Obviously, those connections that our young ones have socially and relationally in the church body are are huge. I'm going to say something about that in a minute. But I I would encourage us to, to be on guard for being motivated exclusively by fear in our relationship with our children, uh, especially as it relates to the church body. So where are things headed for our church in this regard? What's it look like for us to be walking on this journey of faith together? Well, the first thing I want to say is this, um, that we're really committed to growing the young ones in our church. We're headed on a direction. That's why we do things like have a Sunday school class about sticky faith. That's why we put together a booklet like this so that we can understand, hey, what's going on? What are we doing big picture as a church body? Uh, That's why we've got stuff that we provided for, like this book that many families in our church have been, I know, working through. And then we do the catechism question on Sunday. So connectivity between what's happening Sunday and home front. That's why we're doing some of these things. There are a few more of these available. I know we're coming to the end of that uh, series that we've been working through really for a couple of years now. But uh, but th- those are some tools. That's why, you know, I mentioned a few weeks ago things like this voice of the, the martyrs. And I put a copy of it back in your pews again uh, today, which is a way for our kids to be able to see and look outside of their own limited scope here in suburbia and Birmingham and see what's happening with the church worldwide. I've got my oldest. Uh, he, he might not love it, but, you know, every Saturday I toss this thing in front of him and say, hey, read one of these two page things and tell me what it says. You know, a chance for for uh, a picture beyond our limited scope here. So we're trying to strengthen parents, strengthen families to invest spiritually. I love reading Facebook posts, posts, uh, even humorous ones about families getting together and trying to have some kind of devotional. I had one uh, elder that was at a previous church. It's, you know, my my parents' age. And he was talking to me about he had his five children. And he was talking to me about the growing up years and trying to lead those five children in some kind of family gathering spiritually. And any of us who know who have tried to do that either in the morning or in the evening or before bedtime and you sit there and try to get, get them together and just to have the young ones listen for two minutes seems like a miracle. And he said, you know, it was frustrating every time. He said, Chris, it was frustrating every time. I never felt like I was getting where I wanted to in investing in my kids' life spiritually. But he said, over the years, long term, God bore fruit through that in ways that I can see now. 
So it's an act of faith for us to be investing on the home front. We also really believe, and you all know this, we've got one of the very first hires we had as a church was to have a children's director, to have some staff in place. We've got wonderful folks, Ben and, and Whitney, that have been serving with our senior high and college youth. We're working to get some folks and uh, even interviewing some people to be involved in the preteen and junior high side of things. We talked about that with you all last year and said as a church, we really believe that this is an important step because here's the deal. We know the young ones need some investment outside the home as well. It's got to start, and we're hoping it starts in the home, but they need some investment outside as well. I like the story that uh, Tony Dungy shared, and I, I may have mentioned it from up here before. Uh, Tony Dungy was talking, uh, the, the NFL coach, we heard this in our Sticky Faith class last semester, of course, he was, I think, a Super Bowl coach, and I don't know, he was a pretty impressive football player himself, I think, back in the, in the day. And so, you know, this is a guy that knows a little bit about football. Well, he had a high school son who was on the high school football team in their community. And Tony noticed that his son every morning was getting up and eating Fruit Loops for breakfast. Every morning eating Fruit Loops for breakfast. And his son was going to these intensive football workouts after after school and so forth, very physically demanding. And so Tony started to remind him, he said, son, you need to... uh, you need to eat, get up and eat something a little bit more hearty than that. That's really not going to give you the muscle building and strength that you need and health that you need. He told his son this over and over again for a period of months. And then finally, one morning, all of a sudden, his son uh, is not only up in the kitchen, but he's up earlier than he normally is. He's got the frying pan there working and he's making his own eggs and sausage for himself. Tony's like, amazing. Finally, finally gets through to his son. He said to his son, son, I'm, I'm excited to see that you've you know, finally listened and you finally got this uh, this good hearty meal that you're making for himself. The son looked at Tony and said, yeah, my high school coach told me I should do this. <laughs> right. We've got to have other voices speaking. Hopefully some of the same things, maybe some different things, but some biblical things than we would speak into the lives of our young ones. And we're really trying to pursue that as a church body. And you can pray for all those who are working with our young ones in different ways. So that's kind of our direction to grow. I want to talk for a minute about our vision for our community. And I want to do something a little uh, strange or a little out of the box for Cross Creek Church here today. And I hope it won't embarrass our young ones. OK, everybody's going to do it together. I'm not going to zap you or make you do anything funny. But uh, if you are here in this worship setting and you are somewhere between what do we got to third grade up through high school, we'll say that we won't make our collegiate stand. But third grade up through high school, would you stand? Would you stand up where you are? So I want to kind of talk to you. And I know you got I know you young ones do a great job listening through the sermon. Sometimes it's hard to track, but I I wanted to have you stand up for just a minute because I want to just say a couple of things uh, to all of you that are that are in here. Uh, The first is this. Uh, Your parents are 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 flawed people with a sinful nature. And so we are trying to pour into your lives, and we as a church body are. But let me just tell you, if, in case your parents have never acknowledged it to you, we make mistakes. We don't do it perfectly. So I want to say that first off the bat. So we thank you for, uh, for forgiving us and being gracious with us as parents when we don't really do all that we're called to do. As parents, we also don't always focus in. We're distracted on things like you all are distracted sometimes of investing and pouring into you all spiritually in the way that we we should. But we're we're working on that. We're trying to grow in that as a church body. 
Uh, here's what I want to say, though, for just a minute to you all as you're standing is one. Uh, you all have an incredible opportunity. And I don't I don't know if you realize that an incredible opportunity. And one is this to receive the investment that's being made into your life. Uh, some of us parents here, as we look back on our lives, would have loved to have been able to have either parents or a church body that would have sought to invest the word of God in our lives in the way that at least we're trying to around around here. So I want you to hear that and and, and invite you to see that as an opportunity for you to grow and own your own spiritual growth. So uh, that's one thing I wanted to say. And then uh, secondly, well, and I guess along those lines, I want to invite you to begin thinking about, I know it's hard to, to do this all the time. Guess what? It's hard for us as adults to come to a small group or to come to a church service and, and always be ready to really receive God's message. That's tough. But I want to invite you to just pray uh, each week and ask whether you're going to a youth group meeting, going to Sunday school, coming here on Sunday morning, that God would really work in your life, that you'd be able to receive his word and be transformed by it. So let me ask you to do that. And then secondly, I, I would invite you to see as well the incredible opportunity that you all have. Um, many of the adults in here are part of this church body. Not just because it was a a good local church to connect with, but out of a vision to try to reach our community and see the kingdom of God extended. And I want to invite you all to have that vision as well. Uh, Believe it or not, some of the kids that are around you at school or some of the kids who walk in here at church are having deep struggles in their life. And you might be having struggles in your own life and really wrestling with who you are. You would be amazed the impact that you can have. Just to say one kind word to a child, just to invite one child to come to church who might not have a church family. You all are part of this vision of who we are as a church of outreach. And our, the parents in here will confess that we often forget to invite our friends and neighbors to come to church. Let me invite you all to partner with us in that, whether it's inviting them to come to youth group or inviting them to come on Sunday morning. You all have a, a, a blessing, really, of being able to be a part of that. You can be seated now. The last thing I want to say is this idea of service and speak to this idea of service. Uh, because we all know, and I think I heard uh, Jim Freud or somebody in Bible study this week, you know, one of the Jimisms, uh, talking about things being uh, uh, taught versus caught. You know, a lot of things are caught versus being taught. So, you know, people see what we hear what we say, but they really believe it when they see it lived out. And I want to invite us again to see the opportunity that we have as a church body. We'll call it volunteering, call it service, whatever it is, for children to jump in with us and be able to participate. Uh, There's a lot of hands on deck needed in a church body like ours. But each one of those opportunities... Uh, Although it may pull sometimes you away from family time and family responsibilities, a lot of those opportunities, things we can bring our young ones along with. Uh, Some folks do a a great job of inviting their young ones to come and help with setup team. There's probably some kids back there helping with children's church doing the teaching. I know we'll have kids out in vacation Bible school, young ones in our church helping to invest in other 
young ones. And, and it's not always easy to figure out how to do that. Uh, yesterday morning, one of my friends, uh, Maurice Ball, a fellow pastor of mine, was going to do a Habitat for Humanity project. And we just had so many things going on yesterday. I was really hoping to go and take my oldest son with us. And eventually, you know, he kind of had enough people to do it. So we didn't do it. But then I just felt like, man, we missed an opportunity there to probably serve together and kind of model that for my my oldest boy. And, and so then I remembered, I remembered that the church office, the windows had gotten pretty dirty. And for months, I've been looking out those windows when the sun was shining through and thinking we need to get those windows cleaned up. And my inclination was just go clean the windows by myself because I knew that I would probably get it done better and faster that way. But uh, whether my boys loved it or not, my oldest one and my youngest one, the other two were at a practice. We went over and just washed off those church windows. And I thought, man, I, I don't do this enough. I don't try to make those opportunities to not only for me to serve, but for the young ones to serve along with me. That's a little bit of what I think or would hope that it would look like for us to walk on water, to step out in faith, to trust God with what he's doing in the lives of the young ones in our church and be diligent in steps of faith to invest in them. I'll close with this little uh, poem that I may have read in years past, but always uh, sticks with me. It says it's entitled When You Thought I Wasn't Looking. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator and I immediately wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me and I learned that the little things can be special things in life. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer and I knew that there's a God that I could always talk to and I learned to trust in God. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick. And I learned that we all have to help to take care of each other. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you take care of our house and everyone in it. And I learned that we have to take care of what we are given. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you handled your responsibilities even when you didn't feel good. And I learned that I would have responsibilities when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come down your eyes and I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked at you and I wanted to say thanks for all the things I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are honored by the privilege as a church to uh, not only be growing spiritually as adults, investing in one another's lives, seeking to reach other adults around us in this community and even across the world, but to be able to invest in the next generation in the level and magnitude that you have uh, allowed us to uh, with the many young ones that we're connected to. Father, we uh, thank you for that privilege. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, strengthen us, that we would grow uh, each each of us here on the home front to take steps to invest there spiritually, whether it's a little bit of prayer time or a little bit of Bible reading time or uh, whatever you would uh, allow us to use in, in that regard. Father, we pray that you would allow us to develop as a church in some of the staffing that we're praying that you would raise up to to continue to develop the young ones in our church as they get into those preteen junior high years. 
as folks are going to be filling in for Ben and Whitney, we'll pray for for that situation. Father, we ask that you would not only do that in a way that maintains the spiritual growth of these young ones, but that allows it to flourish. And Father, I do pray for the children as I had them stand during this worship time and consider some things. I pray, Lord, that these young ones would really own their own faith, would be uh, open in the scriptures, uh, bowing to you in prayer on their own, and then would be given a vision, too, from you for reaching out to those who are around them, not only coming to youth group or Sunday school, but thinking about who they might bring along and who they might bless in that way. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word on all these matters. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.